And the Los Angeles Kings need a win tonight. They just do. Losers of 9 of 10. If they were to lose tonight to a Nashville team that would be climbing up in the standings, things get ominous pretty quickly. Let's talk about the struggles of the King with the Mayor, John Hoven. Johnny, how are you? Well, I'm doing outstanding. Life in SoCal is pretty good, at least off the ice. Yeah. You remember when the Kings were good? <laughs> it, it seems like a, a distant memory at this point. It's... Uh, Ever since the New York Islander game in mid-December, it's been a pretty frustrating haul here for the LA Kings. But uh, as you mentioned at the uh, intro there, they're hopeful to turn things around back on home ice tonight against Nashville. How are the fans handling it? You interact with them all the time. Is it, hey, this is just a blip and we'll get things turned around, or is it DEFCON 3? Oh, it's maybe maybe amplify that times five. Uh, no, it's not going well. Uh, social media is abuzz with a lot of negativity. Um, and understandably so. This is a team that, you know, at one point in time, they were among the top three uh, in points percentage around the league and climbing up uh, everybody's power rankings and really looked like that they were a team that was going to do some damage as the season wore along. And uh, like I said, over the last month or so, the wheels have kind of fallen off a little bit here. You know, it just depends how you want to look at things. If you want to be positive on one hand, you can talk about the fact that they were able to get points in some of those games. It's not like a 10-game a losing streak where they weren't picking up points uh they were in some of those games they were only really blown out maybe two of them if you look back over them um you know a, a couple of breaks here some puck luck as as we used to say back uh, you know a couple years ago uh and maybe it's a different situation but people are gripping right now and uh it's going to be interesting gm rob blake has his uh, mid-season press conference coming up in about an hour and uh we'll see what he has to say and then i'm sure that'll give people a lot to react to here over the next you know couple of hours leading into tonight's game my one problem with what you said, though, John, is as I always say in hockey, good teams don't blow leads. And the Kings blew multiple leads in that losing streak, including multiple goal leads, uh, games they should have or would have normally wrapped up. That, that would concern me if I was Todd McClellan. Well, I would agree with you, Boom. That's probably been the single biggest issue right now. I mean, people can talk about the performance of individual players or they can talk about the goaltending and you know lots of different things that they can point to the power play etc but to me the single biggest issue you nailed it and that is you know their ability to hold a lead and they've been blowing leads and multi-goal leads like you mentioned and uh it, it's it hasn't just happened once or twice and you go okay you know shake it off um they've had plenty of reasons to lock down their next game or next string of games coming off of some poor performances where they were uh blowing those leads and it you know, it was almost like hold my beer, and they doubled down and then tripled down on a few of those uh, mistakes. So I'm sure the coach, Todd McClellan, is not really in the best of moods. We haven't seen him yet this morning. The team, um, he, he did change this morning's uh, morning skate routine to be uh, an optional morning skate, which is not necessarily normal coming off of an off day yesterday. Uh, but So it's an optional morning skate. Most of the players took the option. We're going to meet with Todd here in a few minutes uh, when I hang up with you, boom, and then after that it'll be Blakey's turn at the mic. So... Uh, we'll see what they have to say. I'm very curious to see what kind of lineup changes McClellan is going to uh, put forth for tonight. Is he going to just continue to roll with largely the same lineup, or is it, is it time to tweak things? This is, this is time. Uh, it, it's been long enough here for, what, over the last 10, 12 games. So I think there's been a lot of attention on goaltending, on, on Talbot. But I also, I think I looked at the eight-game losing streak, and I think in those eight games they scored 17 goals. So they became two-goal-a-game team as well, including getting shut out. Um, and, and some of the big boys that never slump, like Kempe and Kopitar, have gotten real quiet. 
What what concerns you, or what do you think concerns Todd McClellan, offense or defense? Well, probably a mix of both. Uh, not to take the cop out answer. I mean, the defense has to be a concern. Uh, team defense because of the fact they've been blowing those leads like we were talking about. But the offense has dried up. Now, Todd, earlier in the season, when they were scoring at four-plus goals you know, a night, he, w- he was very quick to point out repeatedly uh, that, hey, this, this offensive run that they were on is not going to continue forever. They can't continue to score at that clip and that things will you know, level out as the season wears along. But, yeah, you want to get guys like P.L. Dubois going. You want to get Kempe going, uh, uh, guys that can give you more offense. And so he's tried a few things. He's moved Trevor Moore around, uh, you know, things like that. But he hasn't necessarily found uh, the, the combination to unlock this offense and get them going again. But, you know, uh, over the next five games, if they can, you know, score at three-plus games per night, then they probably would have a little bit of renewed confidence and then can focus on maybe the defensive side of things. Uh, Adrian Kempe has probably been the most surprising. I wouldn't call him the most concerning, but certainly has been the most surprising given the number of goals he's put up over the last couple of years. At this point, the midpoint of the season, you would have expected him to have more production than he does. But winning cures everything, Boom. John, hockey dislikes Pierre-Luc Dubois. They, they just do. They don't like the way he goes about his business. A third overall pick who played his way out of Columbus then played his way out of Winnipeg, seemingly got everything he wants. He gets to go to beautiful Southern California on a good hockey team, plus he got paid. Hockey would love nothing more than to watch this guy fail. They're even enjoying watching the Winnipeg Jets succeed because they think it's because of the trade for Pierre-Luc Dubois. I don't know if he cares or not, but I'm guessing he does, and I'm guessing there's a lot on his shoulders. And the first year hasn't gone great. How do you think he's handling it? Well, I would say that he's handling it just fine because, to your point, he probably doesn't really care much. He got the big contract. He's in a city that he's very comfortable in and was excited to come to. Um, He has a great relationship with his agent, who also has a great relationship with Rob Blake and Luke Robitaille and, you know, that sort of thing. So it's a place where there's a lot of comfort. And um, this being the type of hockey market that it is, it's not the pressure cooker of Toronto uh, where he's being hounded by 50 media people with ridiculous questions every day. So in a sense, he's, he's probably happy. Now, on the flip side of that, he certainly is not going to be happy. All players are competitive and they want to perform, and he's not happy with his performance on the ice, and he knows that he can give more. What I would uh, just say to this is, Jeff Carter was in a similar position once upon a time. Uh, he, was, he was very hated. He was very disliked. Uh, he was run out of Philadelphia. He, he was banished to the Columbus Blue Jackets. The Blue Jackets fans you know, didn't like him, uh, and it was not a happy marriage. He didn't like and them either. Eventually, what's that? He didn't like them either. Columbus was a short stay. Yeah. <laughs> he didn't like them. That's true. My, my point is that eventually it was able to turn, and that's, that's a good news, a good ending for Jeff Carter. I'm not sure how it's going to ultimately end for Dubois. All I'm really trying to get at is the story has not been completely written. We're halfway through his first season of a long contract with a lot of no trade protection that's in there. Um, Regardless of how this season plays out, I see Dubois back in the Kings lineup again next year, and they'll continue to figure out what type of line mates you know, are best for him, how is it going to work. But I, I just keep trying to caution people that he's being put in and being used in a different role than he was previously. He's a third-line center. He's playing behind other guys. He's not expected to carry the mail. So from a fantasy perspective, he's not going to put up the points that maybe he did once upon a time. However, to get some fans and media and whoever off of his back – if he just looked a little more interesting, uh, interested when he was on the ice, the optics would perhaps change a little bit. And this is an L.A. Kings team that is 
you know, they've, they've built themselves over the last 15 years on guys that work hard and guys that grind. Uh, and, you know, that's why Trevor Moore and Blake Lazat and even Alex Iafalo and guys like that have had success. Uh, Dubois, with his size and his stride, he doesn't always, he doesn't always give you that look. But, um, you know, let's, let's finish this conversation uh, about Dubois, you know, after the postseason and after the season is over, not really at the midway point of the year. Last one, John. You said you were going to hear from Rob Blake shortly. I'm going to guess 9 out of 10 while uncomfortable isn't enough for him to deviate course, but you said something has to give at some point if this continues. Do you think there is a, a pressure point where change would be necessitated? Well, it's going to be interesting because it's going to be the question in some form that's going to be asked of Blake at the press conference today. Their hands are really tied. They don't have a lot of levers to pull. They're really tied up against the salary cap. They don't have a lot of contracts that would really be movable or that they would be interested in moving um, without doing something seismic. Um, you know, they can't really tweak things at the margins. They have a lot of their core players kind of locked up under long-term deals. Uh, and, you know, Blake has been methodical in the way that he's gone about doing it, going back over several summers ago and adding adding to know and then adding Kevin Fiala and then this summer adding, you know, uh, D- uh, Dubois. So it's been, th- the plan was late in the year, you know, uh, from a goaltending perspective, this was going to be a bridge year. They were going to have to get by on inexpensive goaltending uh, on the defense. They were going to rotate Spence and Clark in at various times. And Brant Clark would eventually become a full-time NHL player next year. They have to ride this thing out with uh, Victor Arvidsson and Matt Roy um, you know, who are pending free agents, big article on mayorsmanor.com this morning. People can read that to figure out what their plans are there. But the plan was kind of laid out. Uh, they don't have a lot of cap room. Uh, and, you know, barring a, a, you know, a 10 game losing streak from this point forward, coach Todd McClellan, as far as I'm concerned, will continue to be behind the bench for the LA Kings, uh, you know, through the balance of the season. Blake put the roster together and now they want to see this thing through to the end, despite what's been going on over the last couple of weeks. Thanks for the time, John. As always, enjoy the press conference. Boom. Welcome back. Good to talk to you again. See you soon.